0: Oh yes, we made it. You're tuning into the I Get Buckets podcast and as always, I'm your host Simon Harrix and we are here, the final podcast for the season 21-22 fantasy reviews and we're going through, this is number 10, podcast number 10, team who drafted 9, the last one before we head into NBA basketball and I've cut it fine but we've got it done with two sleeps to go just in time for everything to kind of settle and us to, to really um, start off the blocks into what is going to be a really interesting and fantastic week one fantasy showdown um, where we can overreact to everything and see um, how the the season kind of takes shape just off the start. Um, but it's a real absolute pleasure to be back with you, giving you my final thoughts on everything um, from player NBA um, projections, and it's going to be an absolute uh privilege to kind of have all this done and get everyone's thoughts, and then and then kind of round off with a little bit of a bonus pod um, tomorrow about all the best, worst, wild card, and sleeper picks across all ten teams. But without further ado, um, we've kept Coach waiting here, um, but drafting all the way at nine. Um, Liv and Loca into the anti-vaxxers which is um, a bit of a sad case um, of affairs when um, that's kind of your, your starting point with your name and it's a bit sad at the moment but we'll get into um, some of the, the Kyrie Irving uh, thoughts uh, very soon but um, second year coach building off what was a really uh, or third year coach I should say building off a really respectable um, kind of seasons where he's shown he definitely knows what's up um, but he's still yet to kind of get that uh, playoff debut um, uh, you know, out of his system and then kind of carve his teeth in the real nitty-gritty of the Cougars League fantasy. Um, so um, we're going to go straight into the team and I think an interesting one with pick nine and one that is um, a little bit surprising but I like where his head's at, kind of taking Jason Tatum. Uh, pick nine here so I think um, a little bit surprising potentially maybe for a couple people but I know in my head I really had thought that Jason Tatum and probably Zion Williamson were the two that I had in my top 15 that I identified as players that could really um, take a big leap this year um, identifying players that you think might go from your real, you know, upper echelon family talent into that elite um, stuff, I think, you know, the, the list was quite short, you know, your Tatum or your Zion or maybe even your, kind of your Trey Young to really um, push what is already existing, a fantastic you know, uh, fantasy average that they did last year, but into that real upper echelons, I know we saw one season, even even last year, Jokic go from your fifth pick to you know, you bona fide MVP and even seasons past, we've had um, whether it's a bill or even some bonus last year, um, really push it right up, and I think Tatum's got all the kind of markings of you know a potential maybe future MVP kind of player. That um, you know, if the Boston are good enough, I think we saw in the playoffs last year everything kind of come together in in that one game that they beat Brooklyn is in, and I think you know everything's kind of there for him to to package it up to become this real bonafide NBA elite all-star kind of guy and that coming with this is going to be first-round um, fantasy expectations. Uh, you know, I do think that he has, you know, that potential and the mould of how he plays to kind of in that Bradley Beal um, kind of S to do to, you know, reach the, the levels of what Beal's done a couple of years and potentially even push it further. I think the, the, the obvious... Um, trepidation in, in picking him here is that a lot of the other car, guys that have been taken in this first round have have got easier pathways, I think, for them to be, you know, fantasy elite around some of the, the counting stats. And, you know, Jason Tatum pick nine, you're going to be really relying on him to be like a top five scorer in the NBA um, is, is where I think, you know, you're expecting for him um, or whether he can really um, round out, you know, he's, he's re- rebounding, whether it's, you know, your eight... Um, things a game and and be a little bit more of a facilitator with the ball obviously they've got Dennis Schroeder but um you know it is a little bit of a an identity um not identity crisis but Boston are going to go through little things that I think a lot of them um at least expectations on them this year is that they could be a little bit of a dark horse and if they find themselves to be uh, you know a good team with Jason Tatum at the helm you know handling the ball um Doing a kind of a lot of the the Jimmy Butler esque kind of counting stats, but he's got this extra range of scoring and shooting and, and everything that you've kind of seen that he's a is a bit of a, a best of both worlds with maybe your your Butler and your Beal together and if it all kind of comes off, um, I think it's a it's a it's a really um, I mean I'd be very happy to add Jason Tatum. I had him at at fourteen on my board. Like I didn't have him as a first round pick, and I think in that aspect potentially you know, coaches being really inhabitant and want to get him, and, you know, I think definitely think there's a world where with your you know, picks so close together that you could have gone for a Kevin Durant or an Anthony Davis and then potentially get Tatum um, with your next pick at pick 12. Um, I think that might have been a smarter play um, for team, but I'm not going to get too too down on, on Jason Tatum at nine because I, I do think you're identified you know one or two of the small kind of handful of guys that um, can really push themselves into first round value for the first time in their careers but i guess the worry is that thinking you know this is the year for him to push himself into first round value you've taken him with the first round so he kind of has to um, to to make the pick really make a lot of sense but i do think you know the floor on him being amazing is is quite high so you know, if he doesn't really vault himself into the, the real upper echelons of guys, you know, um, that he he's going to be round about the mark. And I do think he has a benefit compared to some of the guys above him. You know, Doncic and Harden and Embiid and even Towns, they all missed like chunks of, of you know, the past year or so. And I think Jason Tatum's super reliable. Obviously, Durant and Davis, the two that you I know, just mentioned getting picked below him. Same kind of deal, I think, what Tatum does have on his back is like kind of Giannis and Nicola up top. That I think he's going to be really rock solid. Every you know from week to week in him playing, and um, it might be a case of at the end of the year when you look at total points rather than average, he kind of fits in um, quite nicely. Especially you know if a few of the other players um, do you know un- unable to stay on the court for eighty two games, so. Um, yeah it's fine and I think obviously the next pick and I alluded to at pick 12 um, you, you miss out on, on your Durant and your Davis which I would have been amazing to kind of back end with Tatum but you are able to to add in Bradley Beal who I had very close to Tatum but you know just above my rankings um, only because of the you know historical kind of outfit and and what I think will be very record replicable in Washington even without, um, you know, Russell Westbrook really, you know, hoarding some of those counting stats, Dimwitty comes in. But I think, you know, there's a real scenario and I, I viewed him in a similar way to Paul George that um, his issue rate is just going to be astronomical and that, you know, we've seen how, how much of a scorer that he is, that um, his 30.7 last year, is very bankable. So I had him at 12, he got taken at 12. I think Bradley Beal, 12 was a, a one for me um, as I said, you know the the top eleven, I felt very comfortable with. So it's a, a shitty one, in that aspect to kind of, um, you know, be the one that picks after. And I, I do think, in in saying you know everything that I said, I did have an eleven that I felt really comfortable with, and the two picks that he has got are both outside of that eleven, um, in Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum, um, at twelve and fourteen, respectfully on my big board. But I think there's a strong argument to to make that. Um, Obviously, you've kind of dodged the Zion bullet at the moment with injury um, hanging over his head, and you could argue, um, and I think a few people would, you know, in terms of some of the placements around your Westbrook and maybe your Durant as well if you you had real injury concerns. Um, But, yeah, I think think matching up, you know, comparably with, you know, the top two from other teams, um, maybe it feels like there's just a little bit less, you know, elite fantasy star power. But I do think you're banking on the fact that there's going to be, um, you know, real health and stock in in Bradley Beal and and Jason Tatum, you know, playing a lot of games and anchoring you and having that usage rate and having an NBA kind of game that really lends to the way that um, it's played at the moment in terms of the scoring and usage and shooting and if both of them, you know, potentially you know, benefit a little bit from that kind of scoring change in that you want them to be, um, you know, putting up your 20 attempts really each game. Um, so I think it's, it's it's a good definite building block um, for you moving forward um, and I think consistency is going to be key for them. Um, round three is, you know, the big weight and the, the kind of one that really hurts at the moment and it's Kyrie Irving at pick 29. So, you know, at the time of us having our drafts, you know awareness of you know him not being vaccinated and you know talk about what is that going to look like you know in the NBA but the expectations you know when we're drafting was that he would you know would be playing and that things kind of spiraled out of control quite quickly afterwards so it's hard to really um I guess, analyze, analyze fuck, um, the pick in the scope of what's happened now. I think it'd be quite harsh to kind of really panic given you know Kyrie Irving and his average of, um, you know, he had the 50-40-90 season, scored over 25 points, one of, you know, very, very few people to do it in history. I think Kevin Durant and maybe a couple others um, have ever done it. He averaged 30.9. I think when he's healthy and when he's playing, um, you know, he's a top 20 uh, player, and, you know, the only downside and why we don't think of him as much is because, you know, last year he did take a lot of time off um, for mental health, but it was the the manner in which he did it and now the obviously the, the vaccine kind of stuff, it's a real unknown and I think there's an expectation that he will play at some point during the season, whether, you know, laws change or he kind of gets the the vaccine and I'm, I'm i'm really still clinging on to hope that you know the tip-off kind of will tick by and that he's in his mind you know made his point and whatever you know the motivation is you know he wants to buy him back into kind of his brooklyn team mentality and that you know they've got a job to do and he gets it and he's playing sooner rather than later but trying to um guess where Kyrie irving's head at is just an impossible task and um, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be stupid to to really kind of fix on what I think he's going through, um, but at the moment, just in terms of how it affects the team, it's a real kind of burden and rough thing to deal with at the moment because basically, your round three pick is not playing indefinitely, and there's a real chance that he doesn't play for a large chunk of your fantasy season. And at the moment, you're just going to have to stash him and, and hope that in some way he comes back because, you know, really being without your third pick, um, we've seen, you know, teams be fine with, you know, injuries up top and, you know, battle and get through and, and find their feet. But um, it's it's obviously a real kind of disadvantage off the bat to, to not be um, having someone with the talent of, of Kyrie Irving um, not available to you. So, it's unfortunate, and I think potentially without everything happening, um, he would be around the mark at, at twenty nine. Um, I had him at thirty three, um, but again, I think he's one of those players that I had at the bottom of his tier of fantasy, um, you know, players um, because of all the question marks. But you know, you have to pay the respect to to how devastating and how good he can be for your fantasy, but. Um, yeah, he was at that bottom tier of, of that grouping for me at 33. Um, so maybe the idea would be you know, to wait one extra round, given all, of, all the context, and then probably snap him up. Um, but you know, we've seen he's probably gone, gone on him based on um, you know, his average, thinking that potentially he was an early round three player and he slipped a little bit and you're happy to take some of the risk because there's a real expectation that he's, he's playing, he's healthy, and he's, he's brought in a Brooklyn amazing this year. Um, And unfortunately, things have kind of taken a turn with that. But fingers crossed that we see him um, on the court at some stage soon. I think the next pick um, probably makes more sense now in hindsight, knowing that that Kyrie Irving is not going to be there. And I think the the security of Clint Capella at pick uh, 32 is um, a really solid pick. I think last year, you know, he was picked in about round five and really um, proved beyond... um, all expectations in, in him being such a solid, uh, you know, double double machine kind of guy, you know, upwards of, of leading the league in rebounds and being able to, to feed off Trey Young and, and the success Atlanta got, you know, his 14.3 rebounds um, kind of proved, you know, he was up with, you know, your Rudy Gobert's of, of um, the elite rebounding um, for fantasy. And then he tied it off with your points um, to make him, I think, when he was traded <laughs> for the package that it was, you know, he was a top 25 player at that stage and, you know, they're the heights that he can achieve again and I think, you know, to get him pick 32, um, even if he doesn't, you know, hit the the marks of last season and he's averaged of 29.9, that I really don't think it's going to dip too much below that and I think, you know, Atlanta are going to be good again and even though that I think there's a bit of a a crowding in terms of the wings at Atlanta... um, I do think his role is quite secure, and, and, you know, John Collins, if he does pop, you know, it's more of the power forward kind of thing, and I think Clint Capella and the way he works up, Trey Young and, and a few of the other guys, I think I'd be very happy with that, so I think that's a good pick. Um, going through, big one to the next one, so CJ McCollum at round 5, pick 49, I'd be happy with that, I mean, there's no way I'm going to pot it, because... You know, this is the guy that I was actually trying to pick at 48 um, before my um, misselection <laughs> trackpad issues. But um, I think he, he was there to be taken. I think um, more than likely he, he's a Portland player all season and we've kind of seen um, the consistency from him from year to year, but also that glimpse of upside early last year before he got injured. He was like on track to be an all-star you know his final average of twenty four point nine, I think, was you know up that twenty six mark early in the season, and I just think that um, he's rock solid. It's hard to go wrong. I think you know I had him at forty on my board, and for him to be forty nine, I think you know you've able to um, to get him right in the sweet spot here, and I think that everything he does with his scoring um, translates, and if if anything, he still has that next gear to go. Um, he's a player, you know, we haven't seen him being an all star but um, you know, has has, has the ability to, to to put it all together and to do so and kind of push Damian Lillard for, you know, um, there'll be nights where, you know, he's he's the guy leading the team a little bit, even though he you know, he's still like the running partner. Um, he's he's more than just that with, with the pairing with Lillard and he's a fantastic fantastic player and, and someone I'd like to have. So I think that's a, a really good pick here. I think um, the next one, Demar Rosen, was like staring at everyone to take, and I think he's it's a, it's a the right decision to to kind of say um, a player like Demar Rosen's track record. We've seen him kind of change from team, you know, from Toronto Spurs and and everything kind of translate, and then you'd be pretty happy that um, someone that you know has slipped year after year <laughs> and averaged twenty six point eight last year, if they're available at round six. Um, with everything still, I'd be very, very happy to to bank on them. He's not an exciting player to own, you know, not very sexy, but I think everything we know about DeMar DeRozan as a fantasy player, um, you know, will, will translate. And if anything, I think he'll detract from some of the other Bulls players' um, upside and he'll just kind of carve out your really solid line again. So if it's not 26.8, I still think it'd be your mid um you know, 20s average is what I'd be hoping for. And I had him at 39 on my board, um, you know, one spot ahead of CJ McCollum. Um, And I I say that uh, when I would have picked, I was still leaning towards McCollum to round out. But, you know, I had him there because you kind of have to respect everything that he's done. And knowing that he's probably one of those players that would have slipped because no one really wants him. (laughs) Um, I think it's smart to to pick him up here, especially on, on the back end of the two that you've got. I think when you get the scenario of having, you know, two picks um, within four of each other, you can you can take someone like CJ McCollum and then when you know you've got to wait a long time to come back, sometimes it's a smart way. Well, DeMar DeRozan's staring me at the face. He's safe. I know where he's going to bring me. Let's just tie off this kind of round with, with DeMar and see who's, who's there for me um, in the next 20, knowing that there's a few players you'd want Um, but hoping a few of them would would fall to you. And I think potentially that's what's happened um, with his next pick at at 69 nice Um, with OG and Anubi. And, I mean, the hype is real here. I think when I've kind of looked back at at my, my board and my rankings, I still feel very comfortable with my 1 to 50, and I feel very comfortable with my 100 to 150. But I think my fifty to a hundred, I'd really kind of reshuffle, um, if I, you know, with with you know being able to read a few bit more and having preseason and and kind of letting things sit a little bit more, and I think a player that you know has benefited immensely from from some of the preseason hype um, is OG and Anubi and someone that I probably really bump up my board if we we're drafting tonight. I kind of I, re- I really can buy into him at sixty nine. Um, I know there's a little bit of concern that we we have this feeling about OG every year. I think what he needs to show is that, you know, that new elements of his game rather than just kind of, he was like the upper end of like nice three and D guy in terms of his shooting splits look really interesting. He can be frustrating sometimes when the open shots are the ones that are missing, but, you know, he has um, real upside in terms of, um, the consistency to his shot from game to game. He has a lot of games where he just is, you know, really locked in. Coach loves to kind of plug and play with lineups because of his defense and just because of him being in and everything, you know, he's stealing potentials up and he was just um, really getting easy counting stats and I think we're seeing potentially this even next layer of his scoring with with him getting in the basket and having a little bit of a, a bacon shake kind of um, mid-range stuff that we've seen. Um, I think they're going to go to him a lot more, knowing that he has confidence to kind of fill it up. Um, you know, we've seen him kind of just, like, run the floor and, and, you know, been out on that fast break. But I think, you know, without Siakam early, with a, a new bit of identity, no Kyle Lowry, um, I think it's a real upside pick here. And while on the night, I think maybe it was a couple of rounds early, I think it's probably right in the sweet spot now. And, um yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see him for the first couple of weeks, but this is one I could really get on board with and I think it's a smart pick. Um, another really smart pick I reckon for me is Jakob Pertl at pick um, 72. So I think maybe I really you know hinted to the fact that um, in the first pod that I thought the Spurs rankings were interesting this year and I would have potentially been in the, the minority where... I didn't think um, Dejounte Murray was the lockdown first Spurs player picked um, in my mind, and that's because I really started vaulting Jakob, um up the rankings when I started doing my my big board, and I like I do think, and I had him over uh, Dejounte Murray as my first spur, which you know maybe a little bit too much for for some people, and we'll see how it played out, but you know i think you've got him 3 rounds later than Dejounte Murray and i think he's a lot more kind of settled into what they're going to do i think everything we saw last year can be built upon i think um, his average of 19.2 you know will go into the 20s um, quite safely i think because they're going to really give him a lot of minutes they're going to rely him on the rebound i think you've seen his you know scoring potential in the post you know he didn't score 10 points last year a game i think that that does push up, um, in a perfect world. I think you can really push that up to you know fifteen points a game, um, and I think he has real double double potential. Um, you know everything we saw with you know once Lowarca Aldridge was gone, um, that when he started, you know he can really have that you know double double stuff. And I think reading the tea leaves, coach is you know locked in on his Spurs guy, and he's got a bargain here in my eyes, I had him at pick 56 on my board, and he's gone at 72 here, Um, and I guess the pick before him, I went with Gordon Haywood, um, which was four spots above Pirtle on my big board, so I guess, you know, I really rated him, I wanted to get him, Um, went with Gordon Haywood over him, I think the other three in between those two picks on my board were already drafted. So it was really a toss-up between Hayward and Pirtle. And I've, I've gone Hayward and I think I'd be stoked to, to have Pirtle. Um, yeah, so really, really, really bank on that one to be a, a big momentum shifter for you. Um, going through down to, to pick uh, 89, and Mike Conley is... Um, Someone that's hard to get super excited about, but again, in the kind of <laughs> lens of Kyle Lowry or um, a few of these older players that are a little bit less sexy, you know, they're, they're players that deserve to be drafted and, and respected on base on what they did last season and throughout the whole career. So, you know, someone like Mike Conley, who, you know, has averaged upwards of 30 minutes and, and probably continues to do that. Uh, this season, you know, ha- had a bit of a, a kind of a bounce back last year. If we can draw our minds back to the start of last, um, the season before, so it's almost a couple of years ago now where um, his first season of Jazz, he was just absolutely horrendous um, to own early and kind of turned it a, r- a little bit round, But um, he kind of announced, especially last season, that, you know, he's not not dead yet. Um, he's still got a, a, a really, um, a lot to kind of, give teams and I think his scoring is, is still something that will tick over, um, I think, yeah, he, he's fine, it's just hard to get super stoked on how much he's going to move the needle for you um, and in that way, you know, I had him as a end of round kind of guy or even in your you know 100 mark that needs to be someone to take, I'm just scrolling down to kind of see where I had him now, okay, I had him at 89. Um, so with an average of 20.8 last year I'd be a little bit worried that it trends down a a touch Um, but I think you know if you can keep you know shooting well and and, you know fits into everything Utah does you know if you can get something you know from your 18 mark onwards in this round it's it's healthy like I think you know this is probably the right time I think there was a lot of players still on the board that would have been more interesting Um, you know next round you do have like your Jalen Greens and your um, Bogdan Bogdan and McCall um, Bridges, but, yeah, it's fine. Um, next, he goes with his boy, Mr. Bobby Boucher, at pick uh, 92. Um, yeah, I think there's stuff that we saw last year from my main man Bobby, um, Bobby Boucher, um, that we can kind of... Hopefully, kind of track him forward as, as playing a real kind of similar um, role. I think Toronto have more moving pieces now, so he's not identified as this um, guy that's kind of you know take this real obvious step up by eating into the minutes. And I think we saw last year it was more than just that. Not only just he got got the minutes, but was able to to put everything together. The he showed in glimpses was real across the course of the game, and then you could play him and plug him into scenarios and. You know his length was devastating, and he had a nice kind of reliable pop shot. Um, you know, down and dirty. Um, I do think some of the the matchups kind of play him out of of um, his minutes a little bit, but you know I had him at ninety six on my board, um, so to get him here at ninety two is is fine. Yeah, again, he's not someone that I looked at and said, um, I'm expecting a big leap but I know I was really off base with not really knowing how to say his name last year, so I'm not going to have any hot takes about um, Chris Boucher here. (laughs) That would be silly on my part. Um, Yeah, probably um, not an unexpected pick (laughs) by Dobes here, given the track record, but one that's fun, one that's doubling down and kind of, um, you know, banking on, on his vision for, for him this year and, and building on what he had last year, I think is is is, is a good way to go. Um, next round 11, pick 109, Ivaka Zubac. Zubac. Um, I think the wavelength here is similar to the wavelength every time he gets drafted, that he's the big man in the Clippers and he's going to be, um, you know, in the mix to, you know, and that's why, you know, his stats are, are going to come, I think, He's been a hard own because they've played with him in centre. Um, even though he was starting games, he wasn't finishing games. His you know, minutes really kind of clocked up at that 22 um, last season. And because of that, really put a lid on his potential as a double double guy. Um, and that, you know, the thought process that, you know, he's 24 years old. The Clippers uh, really don't have that depth as much. And depending on what you think about Sergio Barker. Um, he, he really, for the first time ever, gets to show us what we've seen, you know, consistently and what we've been let down with in terms of that potential um, together and that, you know, he, he gets, you know, 25, 26 minutes a game. Um, and I think if he can do that, it, it paves its way to being a, a really interesting and kind of fun fun pick here. So, um I think it's it's a it's a it's a good one, and I think it kind of lands in the same way that I've, I've felt by a lot of clippers that aren't named Paul George that um, someone's going to really benefit of getting the right one, and whether it's Jackson or Bledsoe or Mann or or Zubac, um, even though they play different um, roles, one of them one of them's going to really be the second best player and. Um, if you double down on a couple of clippers like he has here, Zubac being the first one, um, that you're you're you playing the 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 roulette game, all right, and giving yourself a shot, and I think it's early enough that if it plans out like it has, it can burn you. So that's why I had Zubac, you know, really late on my board in terms of someone that maybe i take taken the last couple of rounds because, um, yeah, the thought process that he he walks his way into. Building on what he did last year, but I think he was drafted last year with that expectation, and he was drafted the year before with that expectation. So, um, yeah, he's he's one that's kind of burnt people before. Um, so I think it can it can hurt if you've if it doesn't go the way because you've taken him at um, around eleven, but it's a risk worth taking. And I have similar feelings about Reggie Jackson. You'd just be hoping that the playoffs is what you saw from Reggie Jackson was real. And I think that the most likely scenario is that it is real but only in patches this season and it could potentially be a hard own. But everything I said about this Clippers roulette I think is real. I think that's why I kind of dipped into free agency to to get myself a ticket to the show because someone's going to have a real shot at it and I think Reggie Jackson was the one I had ahead of a few of the others, I had him 146, again, I wanted to kind of go late on him, but, you know, you can throw his average of 13 to the side a little bit because, you know, based on last year, if he's able to kind of handle the ball and relied on the score and, you know, getting those flashes of, you know, your Detroit Jackson um, back means he can really outperform his, his um, potential here, but it's hard to get over all the weight that you know we have in knowing how bad Reggie Jackson's been before um so I think you need therapy as a coach if you're gonna draft him in terms of getting to the point where you feel happy (laughs) um so again um I don't mind him buying two tickets to the Clippers Roulette trying to hit on one it could really come home to be a nice one um but we'll see it can it, it could burn you um Next one, as we go to the last three picks, Um, I'm glad we've done his review last for a couple of reasons, especially the Kyrie Irving one, but another one, Patrick Williams. So uh, he was the first injury alert that we got after draft night, and there's always a couple straight after, you know, (laughs) whether it was Reggie, uh, sorry, Patrick Williams, and then um, Zion Williamson. But the Patrick Williams five-week ankle one that was meant to keep him out for a couple of weeks, uh, he's going to be good to go. So I think it sucks that he doesn't have a preseason and I mean I'm looking at that lens with guys that I've picked like Bobby Portis and Zion with an expectation that they're healthy coming into the season and they've been able to build off stuff that they they really have a launch pad and this launch pad that you would hope that Patrick Williams had it's disappointing that he hasn't had you know as much of that he's had a few weeks off and I really think that you know will come up in the first few weeks of 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 him not being Um, as ready or as fit or as as confident um, as he potentially would have been. But, um, you know, I think he's a really good pick here at 129. I think, you know, everything from last year, as he was this solid rookie glue guy that fits in the lineups, I think he can build on, you know, that, you know, blocking a steal a game kind of thing is, is real potential. And if he can score, I think he middles out as being a real end of bench reliable guy that every so often can kind of pop um you know I, I don't think he's going to be as reliable as some of the other kind of second year players just because of um the pieces that they've got around Chicago and some of the scoring um I think is not as going to come as easy so there's going to be nights where he middles out but I think he will really settle into his his role as you know rounding out your roster and Um, On the good weeks, he can really contribute to winning on on having, you know, two, three, four games um, in a row where, you know, he pushes his his scoring up into the, you know, his fantasy scoring up in the 20s off the back of, you know fifteen points a game and, you know, six seven rebounds, five, six assists, still block, like all the counting numbers I think are a real potential, especially if he buys into defence and is relied on to do that in a team that has a few guys that don't wanna. And the idea that maybe they're gonna play him as like this small five kind of guy. I just think when your name's thrown in all this potential lineup stuff, it's only a, a, a positive thing that he's been talked about as something that the team direction really has him in mind. So um, I think it's a really a really good pick that could have hurt with the injury news and now is, is really um, not much of a deal. I think Dante Di Vincenzo is fine with his next one, pick 132. Um, I think obviously he was injured all of last um, you know postseason and I don't think he's you know ready from from day dot. So we'll see when he comes back. Um, I like how he he had a you know a pretty solid season last year, and I, I do think he can build on that. I'm interested to see if they've kind of gone past him and that you know they've had this identity without him and won a championship. That it might take him a little bit of time to kind of reestablish how important he was for some of the regular season games. Obviously, you know I don't think he you know starts immediately when he kind of comes back. So. It'd be interesting if he was someone that you could have put on your watch list and drafted elsewhere and then if you're really, you know, interested in tracking his his progress coming back that you could have sneaky, sneaky added him. But again, and and with a few of the other players, I don't mind, you know, adding and stashing him and and kind of going somewhere else with him, assuming that um, for the next, you know, 10, 12 players that were picked, there wasn't someone that you were really, really wanting to to jump on, so it's it's fine there. Um, and then going for the last pick for this team and second last pick of the draft is uh Boyang So, um, again it's like a he's gone the route of kind of reliable guy that's um, everyone else has kind of passed over. You know, people in the last three rounds really taking a lot of risks and swings and, and someone who's really carved out, you know, a role, you know, year after year um is able to kinda of slip to you and I think he's fine, he's good. I think he's sixteen point six average last year is, you know, what we've seen from him. So he has, you know, the in a similar vein as, you know, Patrick Williams of reliable end of bench guy that could pop. But I just don't think he has the upside, obviously as your Patrick Williams and um depending on, you know, his scoring he might be vulnerable to, to free agency quite early. But, you know, it's his second last pick, so who cares? That's that's what it's there for to get dropped. <laughs> um, all right, sweet. Finally, we finished it. I can go drink some water and um, you know not just have the the sound of my own voice ringing in my head um, a little bit. But while this is the end of the it's not the end of the the whole thing. I will be doing a quick rapid bonus pod, but again, hopefully, coach enjoys a bit of the um, the thoughts moving forward on the team and it'd be it'd be really good to see Coach maybe push up into finals for the for the first time and put a bit of heat on some of the guys that I think are getting a little bit too comfortable up the top. So it's gonna be awesome. Can't wait to see it all. Thanks again guys and cheers.